Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. <laughs> all righty. There we go. Love it. So I am delighted to be talking to Lori Embry from Embry Foundation ever so much more. And just, um, Lauren, you've done so many things. What, what is your current passion? What, what is it that wakes you up in the morning? And, and <laughs> Well, I, I'd say it's a few different things right now. Um, one of the things uh, that we're involved in at the foundation and in our community is uh, an initiative called Dallas Faces Race. So we started this initiative in uh, 2012. Uh, we were looking at bringing the Facing Race Conference to Dallas. It's a national conference that happens every two years, and it's put on by the organization Race Forward. And we were really interested in engaging this conversation in our community. We felt like it was a ripe community to be talking about these issues. Uh, the issues of racial equity and, and racial justice. And so we just plunged right on in. We've been doing mostly up to that point in another five-year initiative that we uh, had called Mission Without Borders, which is a really big and bold uh, giving initiative that we started right after the economic downturn. Um, so we had been mostly involved in national work, and uh, we'd been still involved in our community, but not at the level um, prior, that we had been prior to the initiative beginning. We really wanted to get engaged more on a national scope on the issues that we cared about, and that's what our Mission Without Borders initiative um, involved. But we did have one of our focus areas, which was racial and gender equity. And there had never been really any, we hadn't really come across an initiative or an organization or any real program that fit real nicely into that focus area until we started thinking about uh, bringing forth, bringing this conference. We're also doing this in conjunction with another family foundation in town, the Boone Family Foundation. So we partnered together, the Embry Family Foundation and the Boone Family Foundation. We partnered together. We started reaching out into our community, the nonprofit sector of our community, uh, in many different areas, arts and culture, education, uh, faith leaders, many different areas. We reached out um, to start having this discussion with them about having a, bringing a conference, a Facing Race conference to Dallas. And we wanted to find out if they were supportive, how they felt about having these conversations. And it was really, really just pretty much consensus. Everyone was for us, everyone supported, really wanted to start delving deeper into this um, and to see what progress we could make. So we brought in the leadership of a Race Forward to start having conversations to explain what the conference was about and um, what it would be like. Um, um, in pursuance of that, uh, we started doing uh, training in the community around racial equity. We started um, having convenings of the group. And um, then it was decided that, yes, the board decided that, yes, they wanted to have the uh, conference in Dallas, which I must also say was the first time this conference had ever been in the South. 
ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really exciting on many different levels for people. But what we did is throughout this conversation, what we ended up forming was, as I said, Dallas Faces Race, an initiative, which is really a forum about promoting conversation around racial equity in the community amongst our nonprofit partners and to um, help build capacity in this area as well. Um, It is a partner-led initiative or forum, meaning that we are there, the two foundations are there to support to provide the trainings, to provide the, um, the convenings, to bring information that we think would be useful, to try to build collaborations and coalitions amongst organizations in town. That was really our place. But we really wanted some of the major work decisions to be partner-led. Um, we didn't know really what would happen with it, but we now have over 300 partners in the initiative. Wow. from the nonprofit space in Dallas. Um, and so it's really had phenomenal success. It's been so successful that Race Forward, um, the organization that puts on the conference, has now taken our model and wants to replicate our model for all future uh, wow. conferences. Because you have that two years to work on that engagement and to really kind of delve into the community and find out where you're at. We also had Race Forward come in and do evaluations on really where the Dallas community was on this issue and organizing, per se. So that was all really interesting as well, too. So really, um, our our space is arts and culture. We uh, invested a lot in art for social for social change, social justice, whereas the Boone Family Foundation um, is more highly engaged in education reform, et cetera. So that was a really nice fit because we had two different focus areas. So that's um, how we've been working in tandem um, and continually planning strategically as to what will be next. It was so successful that we hired on a program officer, a specific program officer for Dallas Faces Race. And um, so it just it's really been kind of an organic process, but a strategic organic process, if that makes sense. So we didn't come in with a defined plan. We just took these steps and then saw what happened, took those next steps, saw what happened, reevaluated, and uh, things of that sort. So um, that's been one thing that's been really, really uh, exciting on the part of the foundation. On the other side of the coin, um, personally, hey, I Hey, Lauren. Yeah, do you have a question? Uh, just a quick question. So you said that Dallas yeah. Faces Race was launched in 2012? Yes, two years prior to the conference coming in the fall of 2014. Wow. And what's the national uh, that it was based on? Excuse me? The, the, the national what that it was based on? What what's the national, the name of the national organization? Oh, Race Forward. Race Forward. Formerly the Applied Research Center, and they went through a rebranding and renaming during that two-year period as well, too, and they're now Race Forward. Okay. So I don't know if you'd heard of the Applied Research Center before, yep. but yep. yeah, that's that's the race forward is. It was just a rebrand and renaming, yeah, Great. of the organization. And it's the Boone Family Foundation. Yeah, B O O N E. Great. Okay. Yeah. You were just so, starting to say other projects. Other projects for the time. Well, other projects are personal projects, so I don't even know if you want this to come into it or not. But we, this is out of the scope of the foundation giving. So, um, but you did ask me what's my passion and you know what I've been spending my time at. So I've been doing this, but also um, uh, my passion projects, personal passion projects. Um, I've been writing a book and also working on a screenplay. So that's been really cool. Um, You'll tell us more. I'd love to know more about your personal. 
So the personal side is um, I've been uh, working on a book uh, for about eight years, actually, and um, it is I haven't gotten, I have to admit, I haven't gotten my elevator speech down about, <laughs> uh, you know, my two sentence where I can tell people what the book is about. Do but you know, it, yeah, I don't need to, but I've been working on a book, a fiction novel, for um, quite a few years that's really culminating this year, and the third draft will be finished at the end of the year, and it looks like it'll be, you know, in in publishing, you know, it'll be written up to the quality that can be published at that at that stage. So that's been really exciting to go through this whole fiction novel process, which is, oh, my God, that's like something I've never experienced. That is really quite um, difficult. <laughs> and on top of that, I've been involved in a uh, screenplay. I optioned a book, and that has race, racial connections as well, too. I optioned a book about a man named Burt Williams, who was the most famous Negro performer at the turn of the century. And it was actually he and his company that had the first African-American Broadway show uh, hmm. ever. And that happened in the early, at the turn of the century in the early 1900s, 1920s. So I've been trying to bring his life story forth. And that's been a really interesting experience working in the Hollywood entertainment industry and world. I can tell you that much. That's been um, really, you know, a challenge and really kind of a big learning experience as well, too. But I guess really back to the foundation side, um, you know, one of the things that I love to do and that's been a part of our giving all along is partnerships. So really the organizations that we give to and that we um, work with are our partners. And so we really have a high level of engagement with them, and we've always used that as one of our leverages for the impact of our dollars mm -hmm. is really being in community with them, Me sit, my sitting on the board or being in, involved in events, different things that are happening, promoting, networking, um, helping to reach out. Um, about the issues and what they're working on. But not only that, a part of our giving and some of the bolder initiatives that we have have been about connecting different organizations, um, you know, and helping to broaden and build that collective um, and helping to, you know, bridge the silos, which has been one of the trends, as you all well know, over the past few years that we've made, you know, you know, our realm has made a lot of progress in, right? So that's been one of the really exciting things that I've really enjoyed has been being out there in the world and networking, uh, learning about the work that's happening, organizations, grassroots level and above, um, some of those out-of-the-box, out of cutting-edge thinking. I love that. I love to start uh, new projects. I love to seed fund things that I think will really make a difference. Um, one of the things that we're known for is kind of that risk-taking and that seed funding and that cutting edge um, because we're not as um, – we don't put as much importance on evaluations and metrics as others do. So we really like to run a lot on our intuition as well. We definitely um, use our head and our due diligence, no question, but we also put a lot of importance on our intuition and what we feel like uh, is – a moment in time to make a difference. And I think really this Dallas Faces Race Initiative and other things that we've got involved in really speak to that because we were ahead of the curve of everything happening in, in our country around uh, race. And we were really had a jump start on it all. And we've been also bringing in uh, social media campaigns and 
um, a lot of the video assets and things of that sort to help build up the work that we're doing. We've had an implicit bias social media video campaign where we brought in dancers, a dance company, to um, express implicit bias through movement uh, in like a one or two minute video, and we've been pushing those out with you know music or spoken word on top. So that's been really fun to have those artistic projects. Uh, be a part of all of the work as well, too. And, of course, you know, central to who we are and where we've always been are um, women and girls and um, caring about all of those issues and also human rights education and awareness. Um, One of our cornerstones is we started – this is a bold give. You're going to like this. Um, (laughs) We we gave a a million dollars – well, we started a human rights education program at at Southern Methodist University here in Dallas, Texas. And um, it was at our um, initiative that this happened. I had taken a class in a master's program on human rights, um, really overarching human rights, really telling all that had happened, meaning historical as well as present and in all the different countries and in, in many different ways. And I was just floored by what I had not learned growing up. I went to amazing schools, and I did not have human rights education. I learned about the Holocaust, yes, but that's really all I could really think of that I had really learned about. And I felt like it would have been a wonderful seed for me as a human being if I had received that at um, the college level or even below, that it really would have informed some of my choices, and I would have carried that forward with me. And so that's why we started a program, because I really felt like students needed to have access to human rights education as well, too. So that was the first thing that we did. Uh, what is, my, what's that called, Lauren? Does it have? So it's so Southern Methodist University. It's the Embry Human Rights Program at uh, wow. Dallas, and um, so we started that. That was really our cornerstone. It's one of the first things that we did. Um, the foundation was um, uh, started in 2004 by my father. He yeah. uh, is the one who made the money, not me. And um, I'm an inheritor, so he um, that's where the money came from. He started in 2004, very, very small giving, very, very low level of uh, endowment at that point in time. Um, we were really kind of just like figuring out this realm. I'd never worked in the nonprofit space before. My sister had, so she was the initial leader of the foundation. But um, my dad happened passed away early on, so he passed away in 2006. Um, and... That's when we, so the first thing that we did was start this program. So really, the dollars hadn't even been coming into the into the foundation before we already gave our first million away wow. uh, yeah. to start this program. So I really say we probably would have bid about 100% <laughs> at that point in time, you know, because you know how, you all know how it goes to get all of the, you know, for everything to end up in the endowment in the corpus. But we started out, um, that was our first big gift. And I would say our giving was at 7.5% initially as we were learning and we were learning about strategy and how to really do this right, which was a a big learning curve and um, a lot to discover. So, uh, and then from that point on, it just grew and grew and grew um, to higher levels. And when we really got up to the level of a bolder giver would have been around that 2008 period, um, as I mentioned previously, uh, around the economic downturn, I felt that it was a real moment in time when many were pulling back and many big institutions were pulling back and holding on to the dollars because of their corpus that we wanted to present. We wanted to go the totally opposite direction. 
and that's what we did. So we um, put together our first big, bold initiative, uh, a five-year initiative. We're going to give away $15 million, um, which was a high percentage for our corpus at that time. And we... uh, we're giving away, you know, 21. We were even as high as 32 one year because um, we really wanted to present the role model of these people are suffering. This is one of our worst times. This is not a time to pull back your dollars. This is a time to give more. Um, and so, yeah, so really we've never grown an endowment. So that's mm-hmm. another reason I consider myself a real bolder giver because we never have grown the endowment. It is always just continued to shrink. So if we'd worked on, you know, growing the endowment, we would have started with 50, 60, and, you know, we'd be going up higher to now, but we're probably in our 20s now because we've been giving at such a high level um, for all of these years, and we're going to only be around for nine more years or 10 more years, and we're spending out. So we've decided that that's what we want to do. We want to really give fully and completely of our leadership, of ourselves, of our resources during this point in time in our life where we can make a difference about the things we care about. We're just going to we're going to do it. So and what's we're just next? Do it to the best of our ability. Huh? Oh, 10 more years to spend 20 million. What's what's that? Any yeah, 20 or 30. Yeah. So um so what was your question? So what are we going to do with that? Do you mean or so so what are you envisioning as the, as the next Oh, yeah, so what we have is we have two uh, more five-year five, five year initiatives. We really liked having a five-year initiative that worked well for us, so we'll have two more five-year initiatives. We're already in our first year of the second one, and it is called Passion for Justice, Artful Change, um, which is art, A-R-T, but full, F-U-L-L, change, because we really love the art. I wanted all of us to be involved. We're all uh, mid-50s and up. And I want everybody to be involved in what they're passionate about. Mm -hmm. So we aren't looking at it like what's the most strategic place to be necessarily at this point in time. We're looking at where are you passionate, what do you love doing, and then we will be as strategic as possible in that realm. That being said, once again, we're right on the mark. I have to admit, like all throughout this process, I felt like we've been right on the mark through our intuition and through our passion because we're choosing art. We all love art, performing, uh, visual, various areas, and that is really another trend that's bubbling up in, you know, the foundation world, as you well know, is art for change, you know, using art and how how art can really present the issues in a way that people can, you know, go a bit deeper. You know, it really gets people at 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 um, an essence level, I'd say, and really uh, works towards, change in a way that's not quite so in your face or so quite <laughs> concrete, may I say, mm-hmm. you know? So it's we also, we're also still always staying involved with the organizations that were in our last initiative that we just loved and that we had a lot of impact with and leverage with, so we're staying involved with them. We also um, have a category we call Green Shoot. Once again, back to what I said before about the cutting edge and the new and the the great new thinking that we see. We love being involved in that, too, kind of that seed funding. So those those are main areas of interest, you know, moving forward. So then it would be wrapped around how are we using this for women and girls, for racial equity and justice, et cetera, et cetera, Uh, human rights education. Uh, Awareness has always been one of our main uh, tenants, and I believe in awareness so much because I think it is the first seed that needs to be planted 
And I think for a real change to happen in our world, we first have to be aware of what's happening in our world and we really have to understand it and see it through different lenses before we can get to that next stage of being passionate about it or even caring enough to get involved. I think that's the first seed that's planted that brings forth change, in my personal opinion, is a higher level of awareness. Mm-hmm. So where, all right, so where does this all come from? In 2004, you're brand spanking new, now 2015, and you're a leading risk-taker, bold giver out there, inspiring people and making things happen. And where did this come from? Was it What were the dinner conversations like growing up? Oh, from the, I think because my dad was an entrepreneur, so there was an independent spirit in our home. So I feel that um, we gained those values and those skills from, you know, watching my dad in particular um, and how he did business and also being a person of his word and being a person of high integrity um, also was something that I really noticed. And also just I think some of the education that I had younger, I went to an all-girls school. So being um, someone who was born in the 50s um, and having very designated role models of that time, right, I went to an all-girls school which told us that we could get involved, we could do whatever uh, we wanted to do. Not that I feel that that was actualized in the real world, and that is one of the main seeds and reasons why I got so involved in women's issues. Uh, and work and care and passion about that because I felt like I had tremendous skill and ability, but I didn't have the support out in the real world to actualize it, including from my father because he definitely had those uh, belief systems around women. Um, so I wasn't offered a lot simply because of my gender. Um, so I think I always had, you know, that passion inside of me, and I always um, loved – I always loved stepping out, and I've always been a doer. So I've always been one that's like, if I say I'm going to do it, I just do it. You know, it's um, I'm not one that holds back or worries that this, that, or the other might happen. I'm very, um, I learn things quickly and easily, so I'm happy to step into something that I don't know anything about, and you know, project some form of confidence around it and, and learn as I go. So I think that's had a lot to do with it as well. So what do you think the foundation would have looked like, Lauren, if your father was still alive? It doesn't sound like it would have, would it have gone? Yeah, he was very, very, you know, he, he had um, a deep connection to the university here, SMU, the one that I referenced. So education yeah. was really, really important to him. But he was definitely, definitely um, a Texan and hmm. somebody that believed in their community and where they lived. So he's definitely pre any form of globalization, right? Yeah. Um, so, but luckily, he did not put any of those conditions in any, any of the foundation documentation. So we, my sister and I really had free will to do whatever we chose and take it the direction that we chose to take it. Um, had Dad had still been around, yeah, no, it would have wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be. It doesn't sound like it. No, he could definitely, oh, he, you know, believe me, if he wanted to, if he had wanted to control it, believe me, he would have. <laughs> yeah. so he definitely made a conscious decision to not put those constraints and restraints on the foundation documents because there is a big, big um, uh, donor, a big foundation, I'd say the biggest family foundation here in our community called the Meadows Foundation, um, mm -hmm. but uh, believe me, no, Alger Meadows died in the 60s. 
So it's, it's you know, probably a billion-dollar foundation or close to at this point in time. And um, But he did have all those restraints on it. So they mm-hmm. cannot give outside of our community mm-hmm. where they probably would like to get involved in some global. But these men, these generations, you know, they were of a ge- different generation in time. They yeah. don't that it was right. going to be globalized like it is. So I feel so grateful, not only for that, but very grateful for our board as well. Even though there are different belief systems on our board, my dad put, did put an importance on lineal descendants. And so we're a very, very small family. There are four lineal descendants. That's it. That's myself, my sister, and my two sons. And so mm-hmm. if my sister and I are aligned in something, and we tend to always be aligned, we have the same belief systems and values, which I, you know, I feel blessed and I'm thankful for every single day um, because we don't have conflicts around any of that t- those types of discussions. So if there is anybody on the board that feels a little divergent, you know, from where, from how I feel, if Gail and I are aligned or the family's aligned, that's what happens. So that's really been beautiful, and that's been a real blessing as well, too, because we haven't – that's another reason why it's been so successful. We've been able to really forge this path and forge it more easily and make decisions more quickly is because we haven't been up against anything like that. We actually, um, in the Mission Without Borders initiative, about three years in, what we got the board to approve and what we have had them approve for this new initiative is they approve the budget, they approve the scope of the initiative, and then we have full latitude within that. Um, within wow. that approval to do whatever we want to do for the dollar so we don't have to go to the board for everything to be approved. They've already mm-hmm. approved that amount of money for this year, and we have full latitude to do what we choose to with it. And so basically, get... Go ahead. And basically it's more just informing them than it is asking for their approval. Yeah, yeah. We explain what we're trying to do. We give them some, some thoughts around who we're thinking of that, of course. And full disclosure, if they ever have any questions, of course. You know, we'll answer anything that needed. But, they, you know, we built up that trust. I think we had so much good success early on from some of our decision-making that we were able to build up that trust with the board to where they said, okay, yes, we will, you know, we will approve this. We will give you this, you know, um, latitude, shall I say. Yeah. So they they trusted enough in in the process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you get your sons involved, Lauren? What age were they when they started? Uh, they're not. So the yeah, my eldest son is uh, going to be 29. So he's probably been on the board for three or four years. My youngest son's 24, going on 25. He's only been on the board for about a year. So they're not that involved. Um, we've I've been trying to build up some leadership. Um, uh, with them, uh, allowing them to have a, you know, some money to decide on some different things. But actually, honestly, both my two sons are really working on their careers and what they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be a big fit for them at that set. And that was another reason for the uh, uh, decision on the spend out um, is because yeah. we don't see, I don't see that deep interest. If my, if my eldest son wanted to come, he would probably be more involved in the real estate side of things. That's where the money came from. We're a real estate business family. And uh, my youngest son, he's a professional dancer. He, you know, he's not in, and neither one of them are interested in living in Dallas anymore. So um, we, but what we've done, because we've worked with a consultant a lot that's helped us frame initiatives, initiatives in particular, the Mission Without Borders initiative, um, and has guided us and really been a part of our team and our family. She had initial conversations with them, say, without mom and Aunt Gail in the room, right, to find out mm-hmm. how they were thinking, 
um, when we were looking at what we were going to do, we were going to save some money for the boys or not in case they were interested or were we just going to go move forward. So, yeah, so that's how we handled it. Now, if boys wanted to come in at any time and say, you know what, I've totally changed my mind. I am really interested in doing this, and um, I want to get much more deeply involved, I would screech on the brakes. I'm just not, I think you've learned from hearing me somewhere, I'm just not a screech on the brakes type of person. (laughs) I tend to to just keep on blowing and going, as they say, and, um, you know, doing it to the fullest uh, capacity and abilities that I have, and somebody's got to actually have to really know for me to put on the brakes. Uh So, and if if that happens, I will. You know, I will. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, and we'll reevaluate if that happens. So, but at this point in time, you know, the boys know and they understand and we're headed towards, you know, spending it all. So, mm-hmm. so were there philanthropic conversations with your father? You don't mention your mom. No, my mom was never involved. My parents were divorced. Um, so my, my stepmom was on the board for a while, but she didn't like a lot of what we did. But <laughs> because, you, you know, that part of the world, we're, we're very progressive foundation and um, everyone in our community knows that and um, I think one of the things that um, that really has um, allowed me or tempered me and gave me this type of um, uh, openness um, to really present how I feel about things and really advocate for certain things is that I was never, you know, Dallas is a huge business community. That's what the, you know, that and business is God. And I've never been involved in business. I've not ever been that attracted to business, uh, interestingly enough. And so I've really, you know, I don't have to worry about who's thinking this about me or who's thinking that about me or who's thinking that about me. That's really quite liberating. Um, to be able to know that that's not really the realms that I'm not worried about what they think about me. So I can really go out and do, you know, whatever, um, you know, I feel is right. You know, with the support, of course, of the board and, and you know, the team and all of that sort of thing. So. Sure. But my uh, my stepmom, you know, had much more of a conservative, you know, view. Yeah. And that's okay too, right? Um, so we've been able to work through a lot of that. She actually resigned from the board a couple of years or so ago, but she's in her 80s. Mm-hmm. So. And then one of our, my dad designated who was to be on the board in his documentation when he passed. So there were five board members, which was my sister, myself, my stepmom, and then two accountants uh, that were, you know, lifelong friends and yeah. business partners of my dad. Um, one has passed, one of the accountants has passed, but he was also in his 80s, and one is still on the board. Mm-hmm. And then I added my second cousin, who runs the real estate business, and, and we added my son, uh, both sons. So we're, we're a small board, so we've got, you know, seven people. That's yeah. Great. And our, we have our staff, is, our team is just four of us. So. Wow. Is that is that yeah. pretty much well? I, I don't know how you find time to do a screenplay and write a book at the same time. Well, you know, it was really when we were doing, when I was doing Mission Without Borders, we didn't have any extra help. My sister was involved. Um, my sister was involved pretty extensively around our focus area around human trafficking. We were really at the beginning of that movement as well, too. I must say because we invested in this, uh, in a film called Playground that. Um, told the story of uh, uh, commercial sexual exploitation of children in America. So it really was a story about 
human trafficking, sex trafficking of young girls, et cetera, in America. And we got involved in that many, many years ago. So we were really at the beginning of that curve around the human trafficking, sex trafficking in America. So we really got highly involved in that for many, many years. And my sister was very interested in that. So she actually led that focus area uh, of the Mission Without Borders initiative. And, um, but she, you know, she would like to be really engaged and then she wouldn't want to be, you know, so engaged. So it just kind of her, her level of wanting to be a part has varied throughout that period of time where I'm, I'm actually paid. I mean, I'm paid by the foundation. I'm a paid employee, basically. So I've, you know, my level of engagement's been extremely high. So at that point in time, my sister, as I said, was kind of in and out and we didn't have our one extra person, it was just three of us. I really thought I was running myself ragged. Okay. <laughs> I'm not kidding you because we were involved in so much and so many different organizations, and it was just, you know, it was really a lot. And that's when we brought on. And then my sister decided she didn't want to be that much involved at all. We really knew that we needed to bring someone else on. So we really brought a great person uh, in mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to really be like the ED, I'd say, in a sense. Um, we, we like titles that aren't the normal titles, so we've always played around with that, uh, you know, over all the past few years and, you know, had fun with trying to come up with different things of calling ourselves, not CEO or, you know, or ED or, you know, that kind I, of thing. So. I like that philanthropic visionary. That's a, that's a great title. Yeah, it is, but we're even changing them again. So we're going to have some more fun with it again because, you know, we revamped our website, so that's all new. And for the last 10 years, we're changing them again. So we're kind of having fun with it again because we're, we're doing new business cards anyway with the new logo, et cetera. So we're going to have some fun with that. So. It's very sharp, very sharp. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, they did a great job, didn't they? So you've done other films. Premiere of Truth, is that yours also, right? Um, what did you say? Which one? Which we're No, you did Playground. Yeah. So let me tell the story around that is we got very involved. We got involved in Playground. Um, We knew we put in a high level of dollars, something that could not be sustained. But we really cared so much about this issue that we were willing to lose it. And actually, my sister and I put that in personally. That was not foundation money. What that led to, though, was us becoming a member of an organization called Impact Partners. And uh, Impact Partner works in the realm of social issue documentaries, and they have an investor group. So there's, I think, an investor group of 35 individuals um, or families, and they present projects to us, and then we decide whether we want to be involved in that project or not. So when I heard about that, I heard about that through Abby Disney, who was the other executive producer of uh, the playground film I told you about. And when I yeah. said, well, I can't, you know, I can't, I won't be in the film, you know, world long at this level of giving. I can't sustain that. She said, oh, my God, yeah, yeah, I'm part of this group, and you really should look at being part of this group. And, of course, I met with the guy who, the co-founder and who runs it, and I was like, yes, yes, yes. So we've been able to stay highly engaged in film through um, being a part of organizations like that. And then what we do with that is we multiply that once again with the film, then we have screenings, then we connect with organizations that are doing the work on the ground in that or research that's being done around that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, we try mm-hmm. to bring the, those types of convenings, you know, screenings and such to our community. So once again, bump up awareness. She's, she's doing great with her new film now, the Armor of Light. Yeah, Armor of Light, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I know sure. we're c- cutting close on time. Are there 
a couple of things. Are there specific organizations that you have respect for uh, working with nationally? I'll tell you what I would really love, Lauren, if you would consider being one of uh, two or three people on a panel for one of the bold conversations talking about human rights issues. Yeah, sure. I would certainly consider that. I would love that. Um, the next opening we have is October 15th. I don't know if that's a possibility, but I'll certainly follow up with an email. You don't have to look now. Okay. Um, well, I know that's Bioneers. I know that. I know I'm heading to Bioneers that day. Oh, got it. So Bioneers starts on the 16th, so I'll be flying to California on the 16th. Got it. Yep. So some, uh, I don't know what organizations you respect. I know um, I'm meeting with someone from Human Rights Watch, and I'm also meeting with someone from um, International Human Rights Funders Group. I don't know mm -hmm. if you have particular affinity for one group over the other. Uh, you would be the bold giver on the conversation, and they would sort of be you know, leading it from the organizational high-level mm -hmm. mm -hmm. side. So if there's okay. Yeah, let me think on that. I mean, there's so many organizations that I love and respect. Yeah. Let me just think on that a little bit. Are you asking me for somebody additional for the panel? Is that what you're thinking about? Who you'd like to work with, who you'd like to be featured with and partner on, okay. on the panel. Um, I, so. Well, I yeah. might say Amnesty. I might say if we're looking big organizations, I might say Amnesty uh, – because we helped bring forth within their huge organization a really women's human rights focus. Great. Uh, they were one of our grantees of the Mission Without Borders, and we really it was really real successful. The dollars were very successful in building an, up a prominence around women's issues um, and, uh, you know, looking at gender, human okay. rights. When you know, human rights through a gender lens. Yeah, so I, that's who's coming to me right now, but yeah. the other one that would be coming to me, all of them are going to be women-related, human yeah. rights. Another one that's coming to me would be the Ms. Foundation for Women, just as a national leader. Um, you know, they really dig in uh, at the grassroots level, at many different levels, and are really a leader. In, um, they've really been the first to uncover a lot of issues and to help support and sponsor those organizations and help bring the issues first you know, out into the forefront. And there, the new ED, you know, president of the NIS Foundation is fabulously dynamic. So she, that's another great option. Great. Well, give it some thought. And then if you think of certain projects, we only get 800 to 1,000 words to tell this incredible story of yours. So we want to be sure to highlight the things that are most important to you. So if you think about it, we've talked about so much, I, I'm not even sure where to start and what... I know. Eek. Well, you know what? What do you think would be important to um, those that read the profiles and that, you know, in the you know realm of access of Boulder Giving? And I think, you know, if you also put that lens on it, your own lens on it, my yep. word, that sounds great. And then I'll look at it and then we can, you know, do that together. Instead okay. of me saying, because you know who your audience is, and so yep. we want yep. it also to be something that would be geared towards your audience. The other thing that would be really terrific is to put you and Abby together. She can't do it, of course, right now because of the film, but and you're probably going to get busier closer to finishing up the book and the screenplay, but... Yeah, but there's always time. <laughs> we'll okay. figure it out. <laughs> All right. Well, I, is there anything specific you want to say? Otherwise, I want to be respectful of your time. 
I really appreciate it. I knew I would just start rocking and rolling with it and just talk your ear off. I don't no. think I've gotten anything. I think I really got all the salient and most important points. I really think that I did. And, and I know that, you know, as you spoke about, since you sent it to me, if there's something that's really important to me that I didn't speak to, I will remember it when I'm reading through what you what you wrote. Great. So. Okay. And it's going to take me a little while, so thanks for your patience. Yeah. And oh, take care. You couldn't <laughs> thank, thank you. I'm sorry you couldn't join us for the rest of Jumpstart series. It's been great. Well, I know it has, and once again, my apologies for that. I oh. feel, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, so. If you're interested in the last one, let me know that we have one more left, and, and the middle one was terrific, so I'll send you the dates and you let me know. Okay, Bebby, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you hearing my story, and Brittany, you as well, and I'm very That's grateful very for that, and I thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you, Lauren. Great organization. Thank you for all that you do. It's just fabulous. It's a pleasure. Thank you for what you do. And I look forward to meeting you in person. Yes, please, please keep in touch. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye now. Bye. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.